0: Welcome back to another week in the world of angel investing. This is Angel Insights brought to you by Syndicate Room. This is the show that pulls back the curtain on the world of early stage investing to reveal the tips, tactics and strategies of some of today's most exciting investors. And today's show really holds true to this thesis as we welcome Orson Stadler at Mustard Seeds. Now, Mustard Seeds seek to enable the creation of world-class businesses that generate positive and sustainable outcomes. And they do this by connecting influential investors with socially driven entrepreneurs. And as for Orson himself, he's a former associate at BlackRock. And now at Mustard Seeds, his responsibilities include fund strategy and operations, as well as an array of other biz dev roles. And if you like the show, then head over to Syndicate com, where you can find a whole host of past episodes and articles from the show. But now it's time to welcome the main man, Orson Stadler at Mustard Seeds. Orson, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you on.
1: No, thank you very much for taking the time, Harry. Uh, lo- looking forward to it.
0: Now, I'd love to start today with a little about you and how you came to be in the seed investing game, and then if you could provide a little synopsis on what mustard seeds do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I got into this through Henry Wigan, who who was actually my first boss at at BlackRock. While I was at BlackRock, he used to sort of say, what are we actually doing this all for? And, and, you know, we're playing with huge sums of money here, but but, but why? And and so I guess when he... So of got to February last year and he said, You know, actually, I'm going to go and do this full time. What do you think? I, I sort of jumped to the opportunity to actually connect, you know, the, the money that I was working with with actually doing something really positive. And, and that was really, really exciting for me. So I guess Mustard Seeds seeks to do that. It seeks to connect that profit with purpose. And, and, and that's something that, that's really core to all our investments. So we, we don't think that you need to do bad to do good. Yeah, that that's really core to our belief we actually think you know if you can do good you can do really good and and, and that's something that that you know we look at throughout the business throughout every single investment opportunity that we look at we you know, we really focus on on, on that belief and, and that you don't need a trade-off.
0: So if you were to summarize mustard seeds in a sentence what would you how would you describe mustard seeds?
1: So I, I would say we define mustard seed as simply that connecting profit with purpose looking to enfranchise change through private Mm markets,
0: and so with that in mind then and with kind of investing for purpose and for good i'm going to ask the question which i'm sure you get a lot and it's how is it possible to manage lp expectations with social impact
1: absolutely so i mean from the off we we say look we are investing for venture-like returns and and maybe the cycle is slightly different um for, for how we invest I think for us, when we look at the millennial generation, and, and I'm using that zeitgeist very early, that population and, and that demographic is, you know, set to inherit thirty trillion dollars in the U.S. alone. And of that group, a high percentage, circling near eighty percent, demand that their companies not only do not do bad, but they actually do good. And that's a really important part of what we think. And, and as that generation inherits more and more of the spending power, their decisions are going to have more and more weight on companies. And, and that's something that you know we think our companies are well-placed to do. So I think this is just sensible long-term investing more than anything else.
0: So would you say then investing in companies that are kind of brand aware, you know, your lifestyle brands, maybe your Warby Parkers, uh, which have a very visible brand, is is would that be within your realm of investing? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So so I, I think we, we had a long conversation about this internally as a team and we thought about it's not a tech business. So the real numbers being generated by retail may take longer by those brand businesses may take longer to actually generate those same textile you know three hundred percent growth you know but actually brand story actually is probably a greater enfranchiser of change in people 's behavior than anything else so we kind of think about tech as and you know our tech solutions so we think about winnow solutions for example which is looking to reduce food waste in kitchens we think about that as you know they 're really driving outcomes but not necessarily with awareness from the customer of what's happening in the back end and and so you know th- there's sort of almost a finite amount of good and that's quite easy to measure mm-hmm. when we think about a business like Beulah or like Ruby's in the rubble the good that is being done can also be can be measured in those very specific you know easily quantifiable terms but also it's the good it's the, the change in people's behavior that we're really excited by we think you know you think about what people will do to be associated with the brand you know buying 200, 300 pound stickers from fashion designers buying outrageously expensive bags because they want to be associated with that story. I think for us, what we thought was wonder if that story was a positive story.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said about timing there with retail and how it might take longer. Mm. Do you think social impact has different timescales to regular profit alone investing?
1: I, I think we're too early to say whether that's true or not. We're taking the approach that potentially we have to be more patient. We don't right now, you know, our, our companies are going on and raising at multiples just the way, you know, other, other you know, size and stage funds are. Right now, so you know, right now I'd say that the cycle is is the same, but but we're sort of saying that maybe you get to a later stage where you have to manage less of an aligned shareholder group, and that's when you may have to t- take a slightly you know, longer term view. But at this seed stage, which we're seeing quite analogous growth between other other investments.
0: And you said they're about your companies. Are they yeah. your incubated companies, your investments? How does this yeah, yeah. work? So, so, so I, I guess the must
1: have seed approach is very much one of partnership rather than investor investee relationship so we look to not only provide the capital but we look to provide everything from commercial introductions to talent to sort of we call it hands-on consulting so that's like i just need a sounding board and we need to just talk through this business model right now um can i have you know uh, this day where we're just going to chat this through? and, and that, that's really you know the relationship that we have with our companies it is one that we are fully plugged in we're taking the same risk as they are you know we, we take the view that we will take you know common stock in all our deals so that we are fully aligned with each of our investors,
0: yeah. So I'd love to hear them. What you think needs to change then, in terms of the wider investor ecosystems viewed to social impact investing? What would you like to see change?
1: So, so I, th- I think it's trying to get away from the definition of what this is. I think that the ability to accept that these that these businesses exist on a spectrum, and none of them are right or wrong in the good that they're trying to generate. I think that's really the key for us. So, so you know, potentially we're seen as you know further towards. The, the pure finance side and, and and there are other businesses and other investors who sit closer towards the charity side. And I think we're all trying to achieve the same goal through the, you know the generation of positive social outcomes. But at the end of the day, the way that we get there may be slightly different. I think just trying to move away from that definition of this is right and this is wrong is really the key that we can actually start supporting more and more of these businesses that would be sort of my my take on how the sector kind of needs to develop
0: i'm also really intrigued you said that it's not the investor investee traditional model that you employ at mustard seeds but but we was here found a product fit and and you place emphasis on emphasis not sorry on founder investor fit so how do you approach the founder versus investor evaluation and and fit yeah
1: Yeah, so, so so for us i think it's first of all the business has to be compelling so, you know, that's that that, that's a given and, and, you know, we have to be excited about the opportunity that represents. But then I would say a lot of what we do is really spending time with them, getting to know the, the founders, getting to know their support networks, getting to know their family, their friends, and really trying to buy into, you know, to, to sort of have that relationship where it can be open because that openness of the dialogue is really, really important to us. I think core of what we do, you know, we're not trying to pressurize founders into making decisions. We're not trying to force change and force decisions from them. And I, I think that if we didn't have that relationship of mutual respect and understanding, then I think, you know, our model probably wouldn't work.
0: And you mentioned the kind of compellingness of of the startup itself. So I'm intrigued, what makes a social impact a startup compelling? Is it the same market founder, or is it kind of how easy it is to measure the impact that you have?
1: I, I wouldn't say the easiness of the measurability is something that we looked at. I, I think that, you know, as I said, that, that each sort of investor will have a different take on what you know how they think about things so we think about our businesses in, in sort of I guess five key action areas so we look at economic inclusion education environment family and community and health and for each of those we have a top-line metric that we look at so for economic inclusion we look at the number of game-changing opportunities created so whether that's access to financing employment that that we sort of look at the number of people touched by that business education we look at the number of years of education created. So whether that's through improvements in the quality of teaching or additional learning opportunities available to people, um, environment is is tons of CO2, family and community is sort of meaningful connections created. So we think about that on, on the basis that urban communities are increasingly lonely and, and I'm trying to create those connections and health, we measure in, in the number of days of, of quality life created. And for each of those metrics, we look at a company by company specific metric set, which then rolls up to that top level. We don't try to draw equivalencies between tons of CO2 and the days of life. I think you end up in a sort of moral hazard point there, but, but that's, you know, that, Measurability is important to us, but we don't say just because it's easy we have to do it. Because I think otherwise we'd just end up investing in health and environment businesses.
0: Absolutely, and, and I'm, I'm intrigued that you mentioned those five uh, different sectors that you're investing in. Uh, so, so talk to me. What one are you most excited by? as in regards to the potential?
1: Yeah. So, so I think for us, you know, the the ones that we were into interested in last year so you know health was a a key part a key area we were looking at last year we thought that was really really exciting just going forward i think you know education is something that we're we're still trying to crack i think our existence in the uk makes it reasonably tricky to to be investing education distribution with the uk school system as it is it's is actually very very difficult, and as a, and and then when you move past that and say so actually the schools won't be the payer, you run into that that question over actually how inclusive is that education? So I think education is somewhere where we're actually going to be focusing a lot of our time this year.
0: And, and what's wrong with the education system? Is it simply that the schools aren't the payers and the providers of the services, or
1: I, I, I wouldn't say that you know, there's something wrong with the UK education system from a startup perspective the ability to sell innovative technology into them is very, very difficult. Oh, don't worry, awesome.
0: We're, we're always talking from a startup <laughs> perspective. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not getting general on either. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, there. Just, just generally, just from a startup perspective, the schools tend to be, that you don't have these big school systems as you do in the US. You don't have these big groups where you could sell into the California sort of school system. You are, you are literally going around selling door-to-door sales to individual schools. And you're getting kind of academy trust as well, but it is very, very difficult. Do. And so, so that makes it a pretty challenging sales cycle to master, I would say.
0: And you mentioned health. Is that in terms of consumer health as in like consumer mobile health or is that more like NHS data applications?
1: Um, so uh, so for us, I think, you know, the investments that we've made today have been consumer, a sort of mixture of the two. I would say, so So one of our businesses, Skin Analytics, looks to improve detection of melanoma. And, and that's important for a couple of reasons. So I think it's beneficial to the NHS in the sense that it's taking dermatologists' hours and freeing them up actually to spend time on, 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 on more acute cases um, and enabling people to do that at home. So so whether that's through insurance or actually being able to purchase the kit. And then actually one of the businesses we looked at was a, is that we're currently investing in is an innovative drug technology, which is trying to reduce the amount of antibiotics, that, that needs that, that need to be used to, to treat conditions. And currently they're focusing on UTIs. Uh, and so that business is called AdoCap. And, you know, we're really excited to be working with them just on the basis that, that, that the sort of drug-resistant drug, drug resistant bacteria and and infections is something that, that we view as quite quite important. Um, so I would say it's kind of a mixture. We, we haven't yet made a pure consumer tech play, as it were. Um, and, and the data piece is something we've seen a few businesses, but nothing has really, truly excited us, I would say, and, and sort of cracked... The ability to sell into the NHS really, really effectively.
0: And 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 you mentioned these companies, but what stage do you start working with them? Stop or start? Start, 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 start
1: working <laughs> with them. Um, start working. So, I mean, it's, it's quite broad, I would say. So, you know, potentially sometimes we'll see a great business idea, and actually it'll be at concept or it'll be at a very early traction point. And, you know, we'll actually spend time with the founder making it investable for us. So that's something that we'll sort of consider. And I I would say for us, we tend to be the first organized capital into the business. Mm -hmm. So we're usually the the first capital post friends and family.
0: Okay, absolutely. And how have you found that very early seed investing environment now? I mean, it's uh, massively proliferated. Have you found market competition tough?
1: I would say that just because of the very specific nature of what we look to do and, and, and therefore the relationship that we try to build with our founders, we tend not to lose out on that many deals just on the basis that entrepreneurs really value the alignment of a, of a shareholder at this stage, someone who also wants to do that good. So that that sort of made us relatively competitive in this space, more than I would say plain vanilla seed stage funds trying to look for other ways to differentiate themselves from oh. that be? Sorry.
0: Would you like to move up the startup funnel and, and yeah. help further on to Series A and Series B companies? Yeah.
1: So, so, I mean, you know, we participated in the Winnow Series A. We, we actually led that round. So I, I think for us, it's going to be a case of following our money. I don't think we will ever enter a company at a later stage, hypothesizing on just the ability to grow, to sort of develop the relationships with the founders that we prioritize. It's very difficult when you've already got an embedded, embedded shareholder group. So they've already built that relationship potentially with another seed with, with another seed fund. So 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 that would just be tricky for us. But obviously, if we could we could quickly establish that relationship and really you know hit it off with the founder and be really compelled by the business model, then, then obviously that's something we would consider. But nothing so far, as far as that. But I think following our money will definitely be something that we'll want to we'll want to do, but still keeping that focus on seed.
0: I mean, I'm intrigued. You said about following your money there. We, we're seeing more and more people go for follow-on heavy allocations. Hmm. Do you agree with that perspective? Is that one that you're taking at mustard seed?
1: I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I think for us, the follow-up, the ability to follow our capital and, and providing follow-on funding is something that, that we're, you know, we think is really important. I think for our businesses, you want to be able to help them scale as rapidly and as quickly as possible and follow-on funding is, is, is a part of that. And I think the companies that we're working with Right now, you know, we will we will want to be that source of following funding to help help remain a steward of our own capital while also being a steward of the good that they're doing. We wouldn't want to see them potentially being pressurized by another business which isn't so so aligned with with, with our stakeholder um, mission.
0: And I'd love to dive into a quick fire round with you now.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what's your favorite uh, investing resource? Could be a blog, podcast, newsletter, So
1: I I would say uh, one of our portfolio companies, Crowdsurfer, I use their data to have a look at trends in crowdfunding. And also, I I mean, the the Matamark newsletter is also fantastic.
0: Yeah, amazing. Love (laughs) Matamark. And then, Doge, I'm I'm really intrigued there with Crowdsurfer. What interesting trends have you seen in the crowdfunding kind of results?
1: Yeah, so I I would say what we're seeing more and more in the crowdfunding space is it's just becoming a more and more viable option for serious companies. That's really what we're seeing. So previously, I think it was, you know, Kickstarter reward based and 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 that will potentially wasn't that exciting. But, uh, you know, you're seeing businesses everywhere from pharma to, you know, fintech companies really focusing on crowdfunding because it's just a great way to engage with the con- consumers. And, and, you know, this is an industry which is just growing so quickly um, and something that we're really excited to sort of better understand. And, and it's becoming a great pool for us to actually understand what are consumers looking for? Because that tends to be, you know, that this is a great expression of that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, would you tend to go in pre-crowdfunding or at pre-crowdfunding?
1: Historically, what we've done is actually we've worked with companies, you know, a uh, pre-crowdfunding stage, and then said, look, you know, this is a consumer business. Actually, a great, we'll write a, a you know a reasonably sized ticket for this in order for you to base your crowdfunding campaign off. So, we're very happy to take that you know, that put our first charge of capital in to actually facilitate a successful crowdfunding round. So we've done that with Skin Analytics and and, and we've done that with, you know, with Beulah now.
0: And then, and then what's been your biggest learning since joining Mustard Seeds from BlackRock?
1: So I think our biggest learning has been just how important relationships are at this stage. You know, when you first come in you sort of bring this arrogance of, yeah, I worked at a big financial institution, I get how this works. Give me my models, give me my spreadsheet, give me my data sources. And actually, I, I don't think anything replaces relationships at this stage and i think that that focus has been something that that you know everyone in the team has has really taken on board and and, and really learned from and and that's something that we try to do with all our companies whether it's whether it's a company we invest into whether it's a company we don't invest to is that this is a small space and what goes around comes around Mm -hmm. and being a responsible receptive member of that community is
0: just so important what's your biggest tip for relationship building like mine would be try and do as many face-to-faces as possible what would yours be
1: yeah, I, I completely agree with the face-to-face. I, I think it's try and connect on things that are potentially just outside of work. Mm. I, think, I, I think that that's a really important part. And I think we get so focused on the professional nature of it. And it's important to maintain that. But also, you know, some of my best relationships with, with our founders are based on things that are completely unwork-related. And that's just a really important thing for us is we like to have that out-of-work connection that you can sort of, you know, when things are getting difficult. You know, you can you can sort of have that relationship. You can talk about things in that respect, and and that's you know, I love when entrepreneurs sort of have raised raise a point. That's something I'm you know passionate about outside of the work, whether that be sports, or whether that's even superficial things like that. That that's something that, that I, I love when we connect with our, with our founders about.
0: And then I want to hear about your most recent public investment and why you said yes.
1: So I guess our most recent public investment would be would be Beulah, and and why did we say yes? I I, I think that this is a business where they've built. A hugely compelling brand from scratch, and and I think for us we just felt this as a great opportunity to really build a brand that cares and makes people care, and 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 that alignment between, you know, that the, obviously the the attractive margins and the attractive return that we generated from a fashion business, coupled with social responsibility, and and, and actually true social impact by providing these employment opportunities is just hugely exciting to be a part of
0: well awesome thank you so much for joining me on the show today it really was a pleasure to hear more about you and the fantastic progress you're making at mustard seeds no thank you so much harry Um, it's been a real pleasure and a huge hand to Orson for giving up his time today to be on the show. Absolutely fantastic to hear about mustard seeds. And if you'd like to check out Beulah, their latest investment, then you can head over to syndicateroom.com, where they're currently raising their crowdfunding campaign, and they are currently at 85%. So if you want to get in there, there's only 15% more to go. So do check that out on syndicateroom.com, where you can also find all a host of other articles and information on the podcast and all the material related. Thank you so much, As always, for your continued support and we look so forward to bringing you next week's show.